Hello, Brian's and possibly not Brian's. This is all the Brian's where a Brian interviews Brian's. And this episode's Brian is a novelist of a very specific genre, as you can see from the episode title. So we'll learn all about that as well as the DIY business side of putting your contemporary urban science fiction comedic thriller writing out there. Now here's the interview with Brian Olson. All right. <laughs> Hello, Brian. Thank you for coming on the show and enlightening us with your Brian knowledge. Um, the first part of the show before the Brian-related questions is we were where we learn what kind of Brian you are. So why don't you tell us your name and what you do? Sure. My name is Brian Olson, and uh, I am a fiction writer. I write sci-fi adventure novels. Okay, great. Um, so you're the first Brian uh, I've had on the show who actually has something that um, people can actually buy. So yes. I, I want to, you know, let's give you a Brian bump. Uh, I don't know if you've ever watched that Colbert report where the products he endorsed or things he endorsed, the result of it, he would call it the Colbert bump. Mm -hmm. So there's like 2 million Brian's in the United States. And, if, you know, if they're all listening to this podcast, that's like some serious cash in your pocket. That would be pretty fantastic. <laughs> I am I am aiming for the Brian market. Yes. I mean, it's a very lucrative market. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> okay. So what is it that you have written uh, and like the title and where can people find it? Sure. Uh, I've written a series called uh, The Future Next Door. The first book in the series is called Alan Lennox and the Temp Job of Doom. Okay. Uh, it's a sort of somewhat comedic uh present day sci-fi sort of light sci-fi urban adventure thriller <laughs> lots of different genres i guess um slice of life kind of uh following a group of 20 somethings so they get caught up in uh a murderous corporation yes uh, so and it's pretty much available anywhere you can get ebooks you can get it on amazon Barnes and noble itunes store google play kobo lots of other places okay great um and at my website brianolsonbooks.com all right did you hear that brianolsonbooks.com <laughs> so yes and as you were describing it the genres you were using lots of different words to describe it yeah. um i i saw on your on amazon your book series described as a contemporary urban science fiction comedic thriller uh thrillers yes. so it sounds like it's hard to classify um would things be easier if you just wrote science fiction or is it, is, is there more of a benefit to, you know, kind of doing your own thing? No, there is not. There, there would be a bit much bigger benefit to writing just straight science fiction. Yes. Um, easily classifiable <laughs> books are a lot easier to market, but generally when you're going to advertise, um, you need to classify your book in some genre or another. And it is definitely science fiction. Yeah. Um, but it's, people think of science fiction, they think of spaceships and yeah. outer space. And this yeah. is set in present day New York with uh science fiction elements um so yeah i was hurting myself a little bit by that but i, I think i've gotten past it the whole series is out now it's a series of four and uh it's complete and i just actually released the first book in a new series um called the dystopia spell and you'd think i would have learned my lesson but actually the point <laughs> of this series is that it's a genre mashup where every book is two completely different genres interacting with each other oh man okay so it's all sorts of uh mash like Lots of classifications for each book. Yes, it is. Um, what were the names of the titles of the four-part series? I remember the, reading those, and they were pretty kind of funny. Sure, they're each one. The, the series stars has four main characters, and each sort of gets the title of the title character of one of the series. So the first yeah. one is Alan Lennox and the Temp Job of Doom. Uh -huh. Then it's Caitlin Ross and the Commute from Hell, Mark Park and the Flume of Destiny, and Dakota Bell and the Wastes of Time. 
I guess I'm wondering is like how much of that is drawn from like real life uh, experiences? Have you had like some horrible temp jobs in the past? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, yes, I have. Um, so a lot of that, this first book in particular, is drawn of uh, Alan's experience as a temp. Yeah. Um, is drawn from my own experiences because I, I started out actually as an actor in New York and as my day job was was a, a temp. Yeah. Um, working in various offices around the city, and uh, yeah, I had a lot to draw on there. Okay, great. So as I'm as I'm reading, I will be thinking of you, you and your previous experiences. The feeling um, that people in the office wanted to kill you the, was uh, sort of <laughs> brought into this book. And what 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 attracted you to the this these mashup kind of unique genres? Like what what got you interested in this kind of uh, style? It was a combination of things. I like the um, uh, I like writing with lots of different characters. I like the present day setting. Yeah. Um, contemporary characters. Uh, there's, like I said, four title characters. is a pretty big expanded cast. I like that almost sort of, it's not quite soap opera, but it, it follows their relationships and their interactions with each other. And then I love any kind of um, speculative fiction, sci-fi, fantasy, horror. So I couldn't just write a straightforward, like here's four 20-somethings and their regular life adventures. I had to add... Um, mind-controlled hordes of office drones and teleportation <laughs> and uh, all sorts of other things into it. <laughs> and so was there a work uh, or an existing work or an o- favorite author that's kind of inspired you down this track? Is there something that kind of led you from uh, any sort of inspiration? Hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I Yeah, in terms of the humor, mm-hmm. and, and I hate to say this because really the humor is not the same because... Um, uh, Douglas Adams was a big inspiration for me as a kid, the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy series. Oh, okay, great. Um, yeah. My humor is not quite the same, but, and I'm, you know, not as humorous, I would say. He's pretty fantastic. <laughs> but uh, writing science fiction with that sort of somewhat absurd worldview, that was definitely a big inspiration for me. Um, okay, so tell us uh, tell us about your uh, your writing process a little bit. Like once you've had these initial ideas, then like do you structure out the plot in advance, um, or are you kind of like I heard George R. R. Martin is just like winging it as he goes, and he's never going to finish his books before he dies, or kind of a thing. Or... Yeah, a lot a lot of writers <laughs> divide themselves into pantsers or plotters. They either <laughs> okay. fly by the seat of their pants or they plot everything out. I am a plotter. Um, I enjoy that process. So yeah, before I start, I I start with a sort of a brainstorm session. Of just uh-huh. I usually already have sort of the kernel of the idea, and I work out very broadly on like a page. Um, I just sort of spew forth everything to rough out the broad strokes of it, and then I'll break that down chapter by chapter with a rough um, outline of what's going to happen on each chapter, uh, and then I'll start writing the first draft from there. Okay, great. Is there like a is there some sort of writing software that assists in these long kind of plotting structural things? Like I write in Microsoft Word here. Like I, there, there's actually a really great piece of software, um, which which I'm happy to plug. I have nothing sure. to do with it. Yeah, no, no. Um, it's called Scrivener. Scrivener. Uh, okay, I love it. It's um, it's great. I know people use it for all sorts of writing, but it's definitely great for fiction writing. Um, it just lets you. Uh, it's great for note keeping. The multiple windows open at once, so you can have be writing in one panel and have your notes for that chapter in another panel. You can sort of, you get a, a binder on the side where you can reorder everything, keep lists of characters, keep research. Um, and then it's great for uh, self-publishers like me because you can 
export the file into a bunch of different formats, including ebook formats that Amazon and the other vendors will use. Oh, that makes yeah, that sounds very convenient. Then, <laughs> um, okay, so we'll get more into the like the logistical aspect of the of publishing. Um, but I was just curious, like I was reading in the book, the Overlord Company is called like Am- Amalgamated Syner- Amalgamated Amalgamated Synergy. Synergy. I thought that was a great name for like a faceless, like perfectly bland company. Yeah. Um, do you have methods for naming things in your books? Like I always think it's funny when you have like a goal to name something, but then also when you don't have a goal and you just need a name, what, do you just name like from your friends? Yeah, that Amalgamated Synergy was a long process to come up with that actually, to come up with the oh, really? most bland kind of meaningless name for a corporation it went through a lot of different variations um i've kind of forgotten it now but i that i would brainstorm and i just pick different names different words yeah that would sound like they would belong to some corporation that you couldn't figure out what it actually did um and th- i put those two words together for people um i'll usually decide uh what i'll decide with their characteristics first i'll know a lot about them like well when i'm outlining i'll just refer to them um by a, a shorthand name yeah, um, you know the his coworker or, or whatever, um, and I'll figure out sort of what type of person they are. I'll figure out sort of their nationality, their ethnic background, um, and then if a name doesn't come to me, then I actually Scrivener has a um, a random name generator. Oh man, really? You okay. Plug in the, the <laughs> language background, the the background nationality you want the name to come from. And it'll generate random first and last names for men and women. Okay, now I kind of actually want to buy this piece of work. That it's sounds great. amazing. It's, it's super cheap, and it's a 30-day free trial, 30 non-consecutive days. So um, That's great. I had no idea there was software that did that. Yeah, random really name. Great. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay, so uh, once you're done with the writing process, and how long would you say that takes for you? Um, um, the first draft is... I, I'm, I'm slow compared to a lot of other self-published authors. My first draft is usually six or seven months. And then... Uh, I'll do three or four more drafts and they'll take, you know, the second draft will take three weeks and they'll sort of take shorter and shorter periods of time as I go. Okay. Um, start to finish on a book is, is maybe nine months. Okay. So, and who edits your work then? Uh, I have four, uh, they're friends of mine actually. Um, okay. But they all uh, are either editors, uh-huh. what they do. Um, so I was very lucky. Um, or they're professional writers themselves. Uh, so I sort of, between the four of them, I get, I send that off to them and I get very, very good notes and feedback and typo corrections and everything from them. So you can, you can trust them to give you the, the real truth. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah your, your mom is generally not a good editor. Yeah. No. <laughs> and then who does the covers for your books? Um, how does that, how does that work? Um, sure. There's uh, uh, people, I honestly, I just find them online. They're not people I know. They're, they're graphic designers who So you like outsource it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. People I hire to do the covers. And then how, like, how many options do you get back? Like, is there, a, there's like, gotta be a revision process if you're not liking it, right? Yeah, uh, it depends. I, I, I went with someone new for this new book, um, just because the first person I was using, who's fantastic, but um, got so popular that he sort of priced, priced oh, really? it for me. <laughs> um, and he, uh, or there was multiple people there, because it was a small company. Um, they gave, they would give me three options based on sort of the initial feedback. Um, and then I would pick one, and then we would go back and forth. And it would really, you go back and forth until you're happy with it. Um, the this new person I'm using uh, who was great, but we talked a lot beforehand. Uh-huh. So she we had really narrowed down what the, co- the cover was going to be. So she only needed to really give me one option because we had already sort of described pretty detailed what it was going to be. And then we really only went back and forth on like the the text, the placement, and the font of the uh, 
my name and the, the size of the title and all that. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, yeah, it sounds like a very structured but uh, not too painful of a process. <laughs> it's not. Um, and these are, you know, professional designers, so that it's, yeah. you know, it's a couple hundred bucks for that. But there are cheaper options. You can... Um, uh, these same designers will often have pre-made covers mm-hmm. where they'll have a gallery with sort of a generic placeholder title and you just say, I want that one. And they just plug your title into it <laughs> and they only sell it to you. Um, and th- that could be, you know, 40 bucks. So if you're on a cheaper budget, um, there are cheaper options to still get great covers. Okay. Um, so then, yeah, let's let's go more into uh, the actual, like how you actually get things into then published into like Amazon and Nook and so like you said Scrivener has uh, it pr- prepares the files for you in certain ways like h- how else is like can you tell us more about the process sure um Amazon uh, let's start with Amazon because mm-hmm. that's sort of the biggie mm-hmm. um, that's the one you really you can sort of skip the others if you want to but you have uh, to do okay. Amazon that's <laughs> kind of the leader in the market um Amazon uh, KDP Select is their platform for self-published authors and they'll actually, they'll take, uh, like I, I, Alan Lennox, I actually just did a word and I uploaded it as a word file and it was fine. Um, so you can get basic with that. Okay. But um, you need to, uh, so you can upload almost any, you can upload a word file. I think you can even, you might be able to do a PDF, I don't know, uh, or a Mobi file is their uh, proprietary file. Um, and you just want to be sure, though, that you, you then can sort of download it back from them and look over it and make sure it looks right. Um, you, if you don't know what you're doing, yeah. <laughs> you want to be sure you go back and forth with it a bunch of times because the formatting can get really, really wonky, um, particularly, I think, with a Word file because there can be a lot of hidden HTML code in there that you're not even aware uh, of. So things will break in weird ways. Yeah, but they have a great... Um, free download ebook um i forget what it's called it's it's like kindle direct publishing um how to publish your book on kdb select something like that and that's what i use and you just follow step by step through that it's probably a good thing to look at before you even start writing because it'll tell you how to format your word document right from the start okay um i'm a bit of a tech head with that sort of thing (laughs) i like software so for me i like having the EPUB file and I have a separate program that I can open it up and look at you the like, yeah, HTML like code. looking it over and yeah, like knowing everything about it. Yeah. <laughs> so I can, I can play around with it a yeah. lot, but uh, if you're not that tech savvy, you can start with the word file and you'll just, you may have to go back and, you know, why is the period going over to the, you know, splitting from the rest of the sentence and figure that out. Yeah. Um, you can also, you can, there are people who will, you can pay them to format your book for you if you want to do that. <laughs> right. I think it's worth it to, to learn how to do it yourself though. Well, you sound like you, you know, you're more into the tech side of it. The average person, if they don't have that background, would the, would it be not worth the time? I think it's worth it. I think it's worth putting the hours in. Uh, yeah. If, if you think you're going to do write more than one book, yeah. then I think, yes, I think it's worth learning how to do it yourself. Because the, the benefit of doing it yourself is um, once you upload the book, it's live within a day. Yeah. So if you then get an email from a reader who says, you spelt this wrong, word wrong on this page, <laughs> you can fix it and re-upload it. And, and the next person who downloads it gets the corrected copy. If you paid a formatter, you'll probably have to go back to them. And you're not going to want to do that with one typo. You're going to want to wait until yeah. you Okay, patients. I see. Yeah, I was going to ask you about, actually, about that, that specific thing with, like, typos then and for, like, e, uh, like e-publishing then. You, if you make a change, if you see something wrong, you can go back and change it. So the next people who download, mm-hmm. then will get it corrected. Yes. 
so the files aren't necessarily like a live feed to anybody's devices ever. So like you couldn't fix someone who already has it on their device, right? No, they, uh, at least on Amazon, they can go and look at their library on the Amazon website. Yeah. Maybe there's, I don't actually own a Kindle. Maybe you could do it on the Kindle and you can see if a book has an update, but it doesn't automatically push. And I think it's, um, I think you have to look to see yeah. um, if they've already downloaded it. So okay. you want to make sure. I mean, when you're, yeah. when you're putting the book up, you want to get it as, as close to error-free as you can, but you will never eliminate every typo. You just never will. <laughs> um, so you mentioned how Amazon is like the, the main one that you can kind of skip the others. Isn't there a controversy around like publishers and Amazon? Like, a lot of it is, I think, is about the control of the pricing of stuff. I there think. was, yeah, there was something. I don't know too much about it. It was with um, Hatchet, the publishing okay. house. Um, or Hatchet. I actually don't know how you pronounce it. I'm being fancy by saying Hatchet. But I hatchet. Know that's right. Um, <laughs> get hatchet. hatchet. Uh, that I know that was resolved uh, a while back, but I and it was very huge, and a lot of big authors got involved, and it was definitely about um, being able to set the price on their books. Okay. Okay. I, I couldn't give you the rundown on it. Okay. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know the whole story on that, and I didn't know how per, like how much it affected like everybody, or if it was just certain publishers etc yeah it was definitely everybody was watching it but it did it was it was traditional publishers um as a self-published author it, it didn't touch me too much yeah um, i mean I, i'm supportive of amazon I'm, I'm fully aware that they are a corporation <laughs> they are in you know their interests align with having self-published with doing a lot for self-published authors right now that could change so yeah. yes you can you have to do amazon i i have my first series and all the other publishers as well for the moment my new book is exclusive on Amazon. I'm, I'm trying to take advantage of uh, Kindle Unlimited, this program they have. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think my girlfriend has that. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to check it out because I hadn't done it with my other books. And I just want to see um, if it's worthwhile or not. Um, I will. I, I believe very strongly in going wide with your books, though I don't like having all my eggs in one basket. Um, even if it is the largest basket. Even if it is the largest, <laughs> most lucrative basket out there. Yeah. <laughs> so do you do you distribute hard copies at all, or is it just not worth it? Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. It's very easy to do paperback. Um, in okay. fact, it's, once, once you get the ebook, I, you know, I feel like it's silly not to do the paperback because it's virtually no extra expense on your end. Um, I go through this company called CreateSpace, which is actually owned by Amazon now. Um, it's a print-on-demand company, so uh, it requires a little bit more um, formatting. So yeah. you got to spend. I would say if people are starting out, get the ebook done first because that's really where most of your sales are going to be. But it's really nice to have the paperback. And I do, I do sell a few copies of the paperback a month, um, and I like having it on my shelf. And oh yeah, of course. No, I mean, it. there's something nice about having something tangible, and there's there's yeah. plenty to be said about that. But yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, and it's very, it's not difficult. Um, you know, you pay the cover designer to do the spine and the back cover as well, and the for, like I said, the formatting you have to be a little bit more rigid about. Um, but once you learn that, it's not too hard. Okay. Um, so since though a lot of it is mostly electronic for reading now, are you, I'm curious, like, is there a lot of data that you then learn about your contemporary urban science fiction comedic thriller audience? <laughs> uh, I try to, I, I'm probably not as good as keeping up on that as I should. Yeah. <laughs> um, I did try as much as I'm joking about the, the new series being a sort of repeating my mistake about the mashups um i did tighten it a bit i i am marketing it as a science fiction series because that's what the um sort of envelope those those yeah. different genres are contained within a science fiction trapping the main character is sort of comes from science fiction uh -huh. um because i knew i that's that's uh, that was part of the marketing part of the business that i learned in this first series was you need to be able to hone in a little bit
bit more. Yeah. Um, I know that uh, self-publishing, or I, I, I know self-publishing is doing as an industry is doing very well. So I'm very optimistic. Um, I've never tried to traditionally publish my books. I didn't bother um, because I didn't think it would be worth my time. Um, I knew I could get my books out there and selling right away. So I've never like queried an agent. So you're all about the instant gratification. <laughs> I am. I am. Um, and I, I just think it's, uh, I think it's the way to go, honestly. Okay. Um, so is it pretty standard to make like the, I saw that the, the first book, the Alan Lennox book is available for free and that's, mm-hmm. I downloaded it. Um, is it pretty standard to make like the first book in a series uh, available for free? Uh, a lot of people do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, different authors will have different opinions of it but it's yeah. certainly very common to do it i wouldn't say everybody does okay um it's worked for me and certainly as a as a as a new author that nobody really knows yeah uh it seemed like a good idea and it seems to be working at a good number of oh yeah yeah no i, I, I got a decent follow-through sales rate i'm with the f- with the dystopia spell i haven't decided yet I, it's i'm launching it at 99 cents and i'll probably keep it there um and then the later books in my other series are at uh 3.99 for the other series so i'll probably do that too i'll probably keep that nine or nine cents and see how that goes okay just sort of have both series both ways and just sort of see which works yeah you're just testing it out yeah <laughs> um so i also was wondering was is it mandatory then um as part of the platforms like ibooks uh to have that sample button um you know i don't know uh, on ibooks specifically i don't know i i think i know on amazon it's automatically generated uh-huh. um they just take the first 10 percent of your book and that's the look inside which you can download separately i believe so I, but that's like that's like a mandatory part of the platform, is it? I'm like, that's what I was curious about. It is on Amazon, yeah. I, okay. I, 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 I can't speak. I go indirectly to iTunes, um, yeah. because you can't load directly to the iTunes store unless you have a Mac, and I don't have a Mac. Yeah. So uh, I go through the uh, dist- uh, distributor called Draft Digital, who sends my book to iTunes. So I've never interacted with that with their platform directly. So I don't know. Okay. So another question about uh, self-publishing is like, what what are some pluses and minuses that you've now learned about uh, that you didn't know going into it that you've now learned about the, this whole process? <laughs> you mean compared to traditional publishing, um, or just in general? Just in general, as yeah. A thing to do, yeah. Something as, as getting your work out there. Um, I think it's a big plus. I guess it depends on what you want from it. Um. Like, I'm just curious, like, if there's something you didn't, like, you probably, you know, you've, I'm sure you've researched a lot of it beforehand, and I'm just mm-hmm. curious if there was something that you didn't know about until you started to do it uh, that, I don't know, someone else out there who might be getting into it would be, would want to know. <laughs> Certainly, I would say, um, tone, uh, tighten your genre. Uh, okay. So know what you're writing. That's the main thing. <laughs> it, 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 that's, that's if you want to sell. I mean, some people make yeah. it into this because they have this book inside them that they have to get out, and they kind of don't really care if it's always going to be a hobby for them um in that case then write whatever you want um if you are trying to sell to market do you need to pay a little bit closer attention to what that market wants yeah um so yeah so probably that is something that i've learned i wouldn't say that i wouldn't have written these books anyway yeah um i don't know if i would have planned it to be a four book series from the start if i would necessarily known that um but I don't know, maybe I would. I have that story to tell, and I told it. Uh, that is definitely a big thing that I figured out. And and for me also, actually, is uh, this is more about the craft than the business, but the when we were talking about plotting earlier, yeah, I discovered that as I was writing the first book. Um, so the first book was much more uh, seat of my pants, figuring yeah. out as I went, uh, which made the whole process take a lot longer because I finished it and realized I needed to really go back and 
tighten the whole thing up. There was a lot of wandering in it. Um, so it made the first book took a lot longer to write than all of the rest of my books. Oh, um, interesting. After okay. I wrote that first book, I sat down and I actually plotted out all three of the remaining books in the series before I started writing book two. Interesting. I guess I mean I guess that makes sense. Uh, you're gonna learn from <laughs> yeah, learn from, learn from doing. I guess yeah. Um, yeah. So what would you say is like the most satisfying parts of the whole process from do you get the most enjoyment out of the writing itself or is it like once it's kind of done and you can interact with fans or other uh, authors and, or the self-publishing itself, you like the tech side of it as well. I do kind of like all of it. But, yeah. <laughs> um, certainly I love the writing. Um, I, I, I worked in theater most of my life as a, yeah. as a director. Uh, so I've always needed some kind of artistic outlet uh, and this surprised me with how it's sort of taken me away from theater. I didn't expect that. Um, so it's really satisfying that urge in me. So I think even if no one ever bought these books, I would, I would probably keep writing them. Oh yeah. Uh, but I love that people are reading them. Uh, I love people are buying <laughs> that's, them. That's, yeah, that's always great. <laughs> yeah. I do. I love hearing from people. Um, I mean, I don't have legions of fans, but when I do get, uh, well, after the Brian message. bump, you're going to have about yeah, two, two million Brian's. Yeah, price, <laughs> my mailing list. Uh, but I, I've gotten some really nice, really, really nice comments from people about how the books have sort of, uh, whether they just enjoyed them or whether some aspect of it has really touched them. And that's been really, really nice to hear. Oh, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm sure that's got to be really uh, satisfying to hear. But I'm, like, I'm, I'm sure there's also, though, like everything, there's probably like bad reviews out there. Oh, and yeah. at, at this point, like, then do you have just a pretty thick skin about that and you're able to just brush it off? Yeah. Yeah, I would say so. Early on, it would, it would, on my first book, it, yeah. it would rattle me for a bit. Um, <laughs> now there's the, the positive reviews outweigh the negative. So I'm able to sort of take it in stride. And, and, and I try to, uh, I read every review, which a lot of authors don't, but I'm, I, I can't help myself. And I try to see if there's anything, you know, if there's some valid criticism in there. You know, is it just that, yeah. okay, this wasn't their cup of tea, or is there something that they disliked about it that actually is valid that I should learn from? Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. It's like, you, if, if one person's saying some, something and they sound like, you know, they're just being negative, but if, like, a few people are saying a specific thing, you're going to take it as, like, oh, that might be something, valid feedback. Yeah, yeah um, for sure. And I've heard that, like, even now with, like, some authors, they, it's like that transmedia kind of storytelling uh, way of uh, doing things it's like more interactive and like they'll even have series uh, or books like partially written and then they'll leave it up to like fans to like vote on like where the storyline goes yeah. and like they'll take feedback to that point like have you ever considered doing anything like that sort of um yeah i haven't written anything that's like a serial format which is yeah. kind of i think what that would lend itself to you know uh smaller like novella lengths but more of them yeah um but i do have something i'm not sure how many books are going to be in this um multiverse mashup series that's actually the title of the, the dystopia spell series okay um but well i'm going to do at least four in a row just to get a good chunk of it out there but the next thing i'm thinking about would be a um it's very loosely formed right now but it might be uh, that sort of serial with a lot of different characters following them uh where it would be a little bit more open-ended so mm-hmm. that I could sort of listen to feedback and and steer in that direction if I wanted to. Yeah, that'd be interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, it's very loosely formed in my head, but I am sort of thinking about that. Okay, great. Yeah, I mean, that was actually yeah, my next question was like, yeah, what is next for you to write um, about? And you said you have 
four more in addition to this current dystope the this uh three, the multiverse so three more, when so three more so four books. Four parts. um the 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 future next door series was always meant to just be four books and end so that series uh-huh. is done um just the multiverse matchup series is meant to be open-ended so i'm, I'm gonna write okay. for for sure and then i will probably move on to something else for a while and then i can come back to it at a later date um and i think that sort of serial is uh, which probably be more of a paranormal uh, urban fantasy kind of series um with a lot more soapy sort of lots of characters and their interactions i think that's next but at you know about eight months to write one book that's that's a little ways away <laughs> okay um so what do you read outside of your own work <laughs> um is there anything you'd recommend like you're currently reading uh what am I currently reading? I'm actually just about to start a book um, by an author who was actually a big inspiration to me. Uh, his name is Kate Danley. Um, she's a self-published urban fantasy author. Uh, and she's been kind of my mentor throughout this process. She was my inspiration to start start self-publishing. Uh, so I'm halfway through a sort of uh, Penny Dreadful series that she wrote that I really like. Um, so that's what I'm about to start. I'm reading a lot of nonfiction, um, which you think wouldn't directly relate, but because my books are mostly set in sort of contemporary, despite the fantastical elements. Yeah. I do actually get a lot of ideas from them. That makes um, sense. Okay. Because I love, I'm a science nerd. I, I love science. So I'll read a lot of science books and get ideas for ways to sort of twist it or take it in another direction from the books that I read. Okay. So that, that I'm help, that's like, I'm understanding a lot more about what it, what urban science fiction means as opposed to just science fiction or fantasy, urban fantasy as opposed to just fantasy yeah the urban fantasy is a much more used term um, okay. for things uh like the dresden files is probably the most famous example of that um where it's urban fantasy it's generally set in uh, it's set in the present day in on our world um and usually the the magical elements are only known to the main characters so that our world sort of stays our world um and that's kind of urban science fiction isn't really a term that's used but i use it <laughs> to describe the future next door series because it's the same these characters get cut up in these crazy science fiction scenarios but it doesn't change the world is our world the rest of the world doesn't know about these things happening um, so that our world can stay the same and these characters go through these experiences okay um so you, you mentioned that you you had an, another uh, side job so like how does your day work with your writing schedule working around that like how does how does a typical day or a typical week play out for you? Um, yeah, I have a day job, um, an office job, and it's nine to five. Mm-hmm. And I write uh, every day. So I get home. Uh, I work in Union Square and I live in the Bronx. So my commute's a little bit long. Okay. Um, so by the time I get home, I'm usually pretty tired. But yeah. I do it <laughs> what train? Day. What train do you take? The four. The four? Yeah, that's, that's okay. Yeah. It's, <laughs> uh, it's, crowded. it's always crowded. Yeah, uh, yeah. It takes me about an hour, a little over an hour to get home usually. Okay. Uh, and I will, um, so do you write in the morning? Like, do you, are you have a morning ritual? I'm not a morning person. <laughs> okay. No, I'm a night Neither owl. am I. <laughs> uh, so I have to write when I first get home because I, I would like to stay up all night writing, but then I have to get up and go to work in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, so I write, I have a, a, a word count that I adhere to, which is I do, uh, 500 words a day on work days and a thousand words a day if I'm not working that day. And that's my minimum. And I usually write more than that. Um, but I let myself stop if I hit that point and I'm exhausted rather than push through. Yeah. That's what I can do and sort of forgive myself for stopping. It's okay if I stop <laughs> there. Uh, but usually I'll do a little bit more than that if I can. Um, so have you ever had any particularly bad instances of writer's block? Um, not not exactly. Um, 
not really. I, I, I particularly with the outline. The outline really mm-hmm. helps me get through that. I, I do definitely have have days where it's really hard, and I just have to get it down. And I know it's crap what's coming out. <laughs> um, but I have also learned just to get it out, and not if I if I sit there and agonize over those words and try and make them right, I'll never get the book right. So I just tell myself it's the first draft. I know it has to happen, even if what's happening is how it's coming out is terrible. Just get through it. The next chapter is a fight. It's going to be a lot more fun to write. Just get to that. Yeah. Uh, and then the second draft is where I can agonize over it. Because at that point, I have the rest of the book. Yeah. So usually when I go back to it, oh, I know what's wrong. It's because this character is going to end up here, and I've got him talking like he's not going that direction, so I can fix it. I, I did have um, an, sort of an outlining writer's block. I, I was going to write a different book than the dystopia spell. I had it all in, all laid out of what the next book was going to be. And then I got to the outlining process and it was just not happening. Oh, wow. Okay. And then the, I was lying in bed one morning and the entire, pretty much the entire plot for the dystopia spell just sort of came into my head and I got up and wrote it all down. And I just thought, all right, if that came that easy, that probably should be the next series. <laughs> so that other one went how different morning. was the, uh, how different is the other series that you were outlining? Uh, it's completely, it was a completely different book. Oh, wow. Different. <laughs> so I have the very broad, the sort of the brainstorm outline, but when yeah. I tried to do the chapter by chapter, it wasn't, breaking down in a good interesting way yeah um, so i've put it aside and, and i might come back to it someday or i might not yeah you seem to have a pretty uh, healthy outlook for your writing process and uh knowing just to push through things even if they're not good and even knowing to abandon something <laughs> yeah yeah just let it go yeah yeah, yeah the I, i've had to the book three the um mark park and the flume of destiny mm-hmm. um i got about halfway through the first draft of that actually and i realized um I had pretty much written the first book again <laughs> and I realized I had, I needed to completely change the, the villain of yeah. the book. Um, so I actually, that I actually stopped, I replotted the book and I didn't, I didn't have to throw everything out, but I, I did actually go back on that and sort of started from the beginning again, which, so I, I sort of lost like two months of work, but um, I knew it was going to be terrible if I didn't do that. <laughs> so yeah, sometimes that happens. Okay, so let's let's go let's go way back to uh, you, you said you had some background in theater, but uh, like where are you originally from? Boston. Boston. Okay, and so how did you uh, end up in New York? Uh, I came here for theater. Actually, I went to college in Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. Um, it, uh, this small uh, school called Stonehill. Okay, and uh, I majored in theater there. I started out as computer science, actually, and then I switched halfway through my junior year to theater. Uh, so that's where the, uh, the, the computer side comes in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, kind of. Um, oh, this is a while ago, so most of what I learned now is obsolete now. Um, but I was spending so much time in the theater and not much time in the computer lab, so I figured I should probably switch it. And then I wanted to come to New York. I knew Just because for theater, here. this is, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I wanted to come here anyway. I had visited, my brother was living here, yeah, okay. um, and I came to visit him, and I just fell in love with the city. So theater was almost an excuse to move to New York. So I applied to some theater schools. I got into this uh, Shakespeare Conservatory. Um, I went there for a year, and then I left and just started acting. And uh, I've been here ever since. Okay, so did you like living in New York then, I'm assuming? I do. It's okay. definitely my home. Uh, what do you like and dislike about New York? Wow. Um, I like, and this particularly is driven home to me when I visit another city, I like being able to just get up and go out my door and do whatever I want at any time of any day or night. Um, being home on a Friday after work and just thinking I and feeling restless and thinking I was going to stay in and deciding I want to go dancing for an hour 
can't just go do that. Or it's because you're a night owl writer and you're, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, or even just you know, it's three o'clock in the morning and I want to go to the corner and get a snack. You know, I can do that. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, but I just I, I love how much there is to do in New York. I love the personality of it. I love the people here. Um, yeah. All right. What do you dislike about it? Oh Christ, New York City. Uh, <laughs> I wish it was an easier city to live in. Um, it can certainly take its toll on you financially. It's a very difficult city to live in. Oh yeah. Um, I don't particularly want to live an hour away from my job, but I don't have much <laughs> choice. Um, yeah, that's that's a big part of it. Um, I wish I could. As I love New York, I wish I could get away from it a little bit more often during the year. Um, sometimes the urbanness of it takes its toll. I need a little green. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, yeah, so what do you do on that hour commute? What do you typically, uh, do you read? Do you listen to stuff? Or you just zone out? And then <laughs> uh, On my commute in, I'll zone out because yeah. I'm, uh, as I said, I'm not a morning person. So, I'm so you're not awake. Sleep. <laughs> um, home, I'll usually listen to podcasts. Yeah. Uh, podcasts or music, depending on my mood. Yeah. Um, I listen to some good uh, writing some some podcasts about sort of writing and self-publishing industry uh and then comedy podcasts I'll listen to nice so how long do you plan on staying in new york i don't really plan on leaving okay that's a good answer yeah. i mean i would leave if i had some reason to if something brought me away but nothing has yet all right well let's do it let's do the brian questions now is this trivia or what, there's what one this? trivia question but now now you'll get you'll get the theme of it it's just brian related questions so okay. Do you know why your parents named you Brian? My parents did, and my sisters did. My dad wanted to name me Russell, and my sisters refused. They what? Didn't like the name. <laughs> uh, so they picked it, but I wasn't named after anyone in particular. They just liked the name. Okay, so and you don't have like an Irish background or anything. It was did that play a factor into it? Or? Um, yeah, I mean, my we are Irish. We're Irish and Scottish mm-hmm. um, and Norwegian. Okay. Um, so that's where generally probably the names are going to get pulled from, but it wasn't specifically to choose an Irish name. And do you know why uh, they didn't choose a, a Y to spell it? I don't. Except I think that probably just in Boston at that time, the Irish spelling is going to be a lot more common. So that's because the I is the I, the more common Irish spelling. Oh, yeah. Isn't it? Um, some more, yeah, it's a more common spelling in general. There's so a... I think that's just what they would have gone with. Okay. Have you met a lot of Brian's then in Boston? No, not really. Um, I can remember a couple. I remember in grammar school meeting the first, you know, the first time meeting someone with your name is always very traumatic. Um, but <laughs> I, so there was someone in my elementary school who's named Brian. Other than that, a couple in college. No, not yeah, too I'm curious. Many. I was like, yeah. Have but, you? Uh, what's that? Have you met a lot? Oh, no, not. I mean, I mean on this podcast you've met a lot. In New York, I've met a lot, but uh, I was just curious about Boston with the the strong uh, Irish uh, community there. If there be end up being a lot of Brian's you'd, you'd run into. You'd think. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there definitely were some. It wasn't an uncommon name. So, what are your siblings' names? You mentioned sisters. You mentioned a brother. Uh, yeah, there's seven of us. Um, it's uh, Philip, Stephen, Debbie, Kathy, Bobby, John. And okay. I'm the youngest. So Brian, yeah, Brian kind of makes sense in that that mix yeah, of names. <laughs> Uh, and, and what have you, have you named things? Do you have, do you have any pets, uh, children that you've named? No, 
We had a lot of pets growing up, but I didn't get to name any of them as the youngest. Uh, are you going to use mean, your Are you going to use your random but, name generator to to name to, my kids, yeah. future children? <laughs> uh, I think whoever I was having those children with would probably object to that. Although I think it's a pretty good idea, actually. That would be pretty funny, but yeah, I think they would be mad. Yeah, probably. but <laughs> it was a, it's no different than a baby book because a brainstorm. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so, two part question: Dead or alive? Um, if you could choose one other Brian to meet, who would it be? And then also, who is your favorite Brian? Uh, and this is where this cheat sheet can come in handy if you okay. choose to y- use this or not. It's funny. The first name that jumped out at me is Brian Austin Green, but I think <laughs> I think he's not on the list. Um, oh no, he's he's in there. Uh, no, I mean he's not on my list. Oh, okay. He's on this list. But, uh, <laughs> I let's see. I probably Brian uh, Epstein. Okay. Yeah. Um, just because to meet or uh, is your favorite. Or both? To meet. Um, to meet, I would say, because I think he'd be the most interesting. You'd have just, some very interesting stories. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just grew up as a, as a massive Beatles fan. As yeah. Hardly in the minority there. Um, so, so that's a, that's a that's a big claim of, like, you were saying, I'm definitely more of a Beatles fan than, like, a Beach Boys Pet Sounds fan, because you got Brian Wilson there. That's true. You could just meet an actual... <laughs> I could, but whenever I say my name to people, like, in a, uh, someone behind a counter or something like that, they always hear Brian Olson as Brian Wilson. Oh, um, interesting. So there's that very slight level of irritation <laughs> when I hear his name. Uh, no, I love the Beach Boys, actually, but no, I, w- I would have to go with the Beatles first. Um, I just think it's interesting, I think... Obviously, I would talk to him about the Beatles. I would like to talk to him about being a gay man at that time and being so living such a public life, um, uh, where with something that he was trying to keep mostly secret. Yeah, okay, um, interesting. Yeah, I would really like to talk to him. So, who'd be your favorite Brian then? I don't know. For, for and in this moment, this answer might change. Yeah, of the course. person who's coming <laughs> to mind is Brian Blessed. Yeah, uh, um, the, I just recently learned about him. Was like this English actor. English actor. He was Prince Voltan uh, of the Hawkmen in the movie <laughs> Flash Gordon, which was a big influence on me when I was a kid. Um, he's also in an episode, a story of Doctor Who, which is my favorite television show. So uh, he's just, I just think he's a riot. He's big and loud and boisterous in all the parts. Oh of it man, is. you would have nailed the trivia. He was a trivia question answer in a previous episode. Really? Yeah. I would and you would have nailed one. that one. I'm sure I would have. <laughs> All right, so here's your trivia question. Okay. On November 24th, 2013, this Brian died, sparking outrage around the globe. Who is this Brian? Sparking outrage. And I can give you a hint if you want one. Uh, 2013. Yeah, I can give you a hint. He is a fictional animated Brian. Oh, Brian the dog. Yeah. Okay, yes, I remember that. Yeah, in the episode Life of Brian, uh, Brian the dog from Family Guy was struck by a reckless driver in a hit and run and later succumbs to his injuries in a veterinary clinic. They brought, they brought him back, though. Stewie travels through time and yeah. brings him back. Yep, so you know. So, yeah, two episodes later, they brought him back. Uh, I think part of it was because the death of him was met with massive opposition and anger from Family Guy fans around the world, many of whom threatened to boycott the show Due to his absence, the Family Guy's official Facebook and Twitter pages were bombarded with messages and comments from fans demanding that they bring Brian back 
Hostile messages were also directed towards the production staff, including Seth MacFarlane, the show creator. He later thanked fans for caring so much about the canine, and uh, and he was overcome of gratitude. <laughs> and so, uh, fan petitions sprang up. Um, a Change.org petition came up and was one of the fastest growing entertainment related petitions on the site, attracting over 120,000 signatures. <laughs> I, I, and I say this as someone who creates fiction, I don't think I have ever cared that much about <laughs> a fictional character. Well, uh, people around the glo- globe really cared about this fictional Brian. Mm. <laughs> All right. Uh, so you got that answer. I'm glad. Um, and you actually knew uh, you knew how he came back. I, well, I, saw, I mean, I was. I don't watch the show anymore, but I was watching it then, and I uh, yeah. I saw those. I, I watched those episodes. I actually missed those. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I replaced I found... him with another dog for a couple episodes. Yeah, like some guy Vinny, I guess. Mm. Um, all right. So if you had to choose a first name other than Brian, this is a really hard question. What would it be? I'm just putting you on the spot right now. Um, Angus. Angus. <laughs> yes. I'm very into my Scottish heritage, um, and I have always liked the name Angus. I know it's an unusual name. Uh, it's not very common nowadays. But um, if I was, if when I uh, joined Actors Equity, I seriously considered um, using Angus McDonald's as my stage name. if there was another because if there was someone else with your name you couldn't use it yeah so if they said there was another brian olson i was seriously considering angus mcdonald as my station wow so you you might be the first person so far that actually had an answer to this like at the ready oh yeah <laughs> almost yeah not to the specific question because that was a different circumstance though so i don't know yeah maybe yeah it, but it's similar <laughs> um overall do you think brian has been a plus or a minus in your life I suppose it's been a plus. The only thing I dislike about it is the way it blends, and it's kind of getting to the Brian Wilson thing, is the way it blends into my last name, Brian Olson. Okay. Um, I, I don't know. I feel like they kind of get mushed together. Uh, I've thought about using my middle initial to break it up a little bit, but I don't like the sound of that either. Uh, but apart from that, I've been pretty happy being Brian. Yeah. Okay, good. Good. I, I think that's the right answer. Um, have you had, except have you had any memorable instances of your name being misspelled brain? Yes. It has happened from day one and <laughs> continues to this day. Okay. So um, just, just in general, like you get it on mail, you know, it's always, yeah, I don't have like a funny brain story. It's just, um, yeah. it's just, it barely registers anymore. It bothered me a lot when I was a kid, but, um, <laughs> now it's just, I just know it's going to happen. Okay. So when you first heard about the show, what was your re- initial reaction and what was it that made you reply? Was it the promise of free beer, a sense of duty to the other Bryans? Was it just a sense of adventure? Uh, I would say the sense of adventure. I, uh, a friend saw it on Craigslist and forwarded it to me, my friend Maggie. <laughs> and uh, I just thought it was a funny idea. I listened to a lot of podcasts. Yep. Um, I figured, what the hell? I, yeah, I figured I'd email you, and if you didn't sound like a crazy person, yeah. why not? Good. I, I, I salute you for boldly replying to this experiment. Thank you, thank you for doing it. <laughs> All right, that's it. Uh, thanks for coming on the show. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for having me. This is great. <laughs>